$100,000 and you can design a better space club than NASA engineers. All of these teams of engineers and companies entered the club or the contest, but the person who won was a guy, one guy at night at his kitchen table. And the reason I know this is they basically had to have a consultant come into NASA to like reveal the secrets of how this guy did it, right? And what he said was the guy was on his kitchen table, he would test something out, Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Nora Herting, CEO of ImageThink. If you missed part one, go back and listen, hear about her work and helping NASA and Google and everybody think through things visually. I want to pick this up, though. You talked about how the world is thinking differently about innovation. What are some of those trends that you see as you get to work across many industries now? Yeah, yeah. Well, one is just, I think, <laughs> the you know, it's a kind of like a long tail sort of thing. So I mentioned, you know, in the last episode, working kind of in design thinking lab back in the early 2000s for um, Ernst & Young and ultimately Capgemini, no one called it design thinking, right? You know, to now, today where it's, you know, you can take a class, you can take a workshop. I think, you know, there's lots of companies have like their resident facilitator design thinkers. So people really embrace that, you know, and, and it's trickled down. So that's one thing I, I really have noticed is different industries that were maybe considered you know, not like the most innovative, you know, nonprofits, for instance, education. Now we're getting an opportunity to work with more universities and educational institutions as they've started to absorb that. So that's, that I would say is like, is the most notable thing. Also like an awareness that, that, you know, we have this idea about brainstorming or innovation that used to be like, oh, there's a big whiteboard and like everyone's yelling and, you know, on it. And it's like, this rapid fire thing and recognizing that that's, you know, that, that was kind of an old mad men sort of idea that was born. You know, the term brainstorming comes from ad agents, you know, time of ad agencies and mad men in the sixties and uh, recognizing also there's like different types of thinking. So for instance, sometimes we'll encourage clients if we're helping to design the session as well as add visuals is to create points where People first sort of solo brainstorm, you know, get it out yourself, give people prompts first, and then come together as, a, as one, you know, sort of changing up the way, the, the dynamic and the pacing so that you get the best thinking out of everybody. Something else that, I, that I've seen in terms of at least the process around thinking about innovation. Yeah. I don't know. What have you found, Jess? Hmm. I see I see a lot of people trying to use buzzwords for marketing reasons. I see big firms like trying to think up a reason to include 3D printing 3D printing or sensors or something like this, right? So they can claim they're innovative. I see some firms really actually carving out, you know, I'm talking about the big multi-billion dollar companies that come on the show, right? actually carving out like some budget and some runway and people doing some genuinely innovative stuff 
but without the top cover to really have it change the organization. I see, and then I see some folks who like, they genuinely have figured out how to motivate people and how to, how do people in much more traditional parts of the business get a career win and get recognition for doing something innovative, like genuine innovation, not just, you know, the next iteration, right? And, and you can see like it actually penetrating their culture. I see a lot of startups who would love to be called innovative. And so they're doing things that on the surface sound noteworthy, but, but are really kind of a me too, just a, like a little bit of a remix of me too without the novelty. And then I see some of the most fascinating brand new stuff, like the most gives me the most optimism. We had this guy on the show recently who created a real life jet pack that it's got a couple of jets that go on your hands and one on the backpack. And he saw like 130 people how to fly it. He set a world record for doing like 85 miles an hour in it. And it's gone from like a novelty to like search and rescue and like getting to people across water where like normally a boat could never get there fast enough and you can't wait for a helicopter and like life-saving innovations and like technical maintenance things that normally just getting a human there would be either impossible or time-consuming or hard. And that kind of stuff makes me really excited for the future to see, like, I remember, you know, being a kid of the 80s and 90s, I watched the Disney movie, The Rocketeer, right? Yeah. And so when I get to meet the guy who quits his job at BP and actually makes it and it's real and it's more than a gimmick, that that stuff's really fascinating to me. I don't know if that's where you're going with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I like the way you built from like the medical to like the, the truly positive, but I, I do... I do think it that is a buzzword, and I do think that a lot of times there's lip service to it in a culture in a company without you know a lot of people talking about like we shouldn't be afraid to fail, but really the way the whole organization is set up and the way people are assessed and their performance is all you know around moving away from from that and you know and I also think that sometimes people think that it looks like a very specific thing like you know, I've been in this work for too long. So at the beginning, when we would do sessions, people would just put the letter I in front of everything because the iPhone was out. They're like, here's my dumb idea with an I in front of it. Or then there was a moment where everyone wanted to have a Facebook community group. That was the thing. And I was like, nobody wants to be part of your Facebook community group, right? And so it's funny you're saying that about laser printing because I think that, yeah, the moment right now is like, let's have something with VR, you know, in it or AI, AI assisted VR. <laughs> right. A, right. And, you know, they're just taking kind of this, either it's not appropriate for their industry at all, or it's not really a, a, a novel idea. And they're just sort of mashing it up with something that seems like new tech and people forget that innovation can happen. That's not about tech, right? It could be about people. It could be about the organization. It could be about pro- an approach, right? I think, in our culture, we think about it now as like, what's the new piece of technology? So, can, can I tell you um, another one of my like genuinely inspirational ones? Yeah. You're, you're in Brooklyn, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. So in your part of the world, there's these guys in Long Island who are not tech nerds who found out about like 3D printing houses with like, you know, giant concrete printer and realized those ones are garbage and invented their own. And these are like these are like the guys I grew up with. Like I grew up in Alberta, Canada in like out in the farmland kind of stuff. Right. And so I worked like construction jobs in the summer. So I'd the have Texas enough money. Of Canada. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Texas of yeah. Canada. So I, 
I worked like these really tough manual label jobs so I could make two or three times as much as my friends so I could snowboard all winter without having to have a job, right? These guys on the phone are so the guys I grew up with. Like they are like super blue collar, like, you know, work 12 hour a day construction workers. And the amount of iterations and innovations they have accomplished so far in actually getting houses printed rather than like some like add on basically marketing gimmick of a giant home builder that's like, oh, we should do that too. We could make a great YouTube video out of it. Like they're, they're genuinely trying to build a business, 3D printing homes. And it's fascinating to have, feel like they don't have any tie to Silicon Valley. They don't have any of like the innovation tropes and they're, they're doing it and they're way ahead of people. And I love it. Yeah. So that's what I was, I was thinking about a similar story when you said the jet pack, cause you're like, it was a guy. And I was like, was it a guy? Because Years ago, um, our, one of our first jobs at ImageThink, our first clients was NASA. Now, that's another one where you're like, how did you do that? I, I, I honestly can't tell you. But what I can tell you is I had this real epiphany in that session because they, NASA had a space glove that they created in the 60s. And for decades, they couldn't figure out a better space glove. You know, And it was really hard to move. It really limited people's dexterity. So they decided to have a public con- contest, $100,000, if you can design a better space glove than NASA engineers. All of these teams of engineers and companies entered the club or the contest. But the person who won was a guy, one guy at night at his kitchen table. And the reason I know this is they basically had to have a consultant come into NASA to, like, reveal the secrets of how this guy did it, Right. And what he said was the guy was on his kitchen table. He would test something out. He would try it out right away. He would fail right away. And then he'd go back and he'd fix it. And he's describing this like really simple process to these, these NASA scientists. Like this is groundbreaking. And I'm in the meeting, you know, visualizing all this. And I'm like, well, he's just talking about an artist in the studio, right? Or the creative process. And, you know, but once it gets blown out to be an organization as big as NASA and they have, you know, six or seven labs around the country and everything's distributed, all of that was was lost, you know? And I, I hate to be cynical, you know, for everyone who's listening to this and is in a big organization and wants to make change, but there is, you know, something, right? These two guys, like there's no barrier. They can just try something out they can test it right away and they can move really quickly and there's no one kind of over their shoulder. And so that was, that was like my moment of that was, you know, this one guy, of course, it was one guy just tinkering at his table with some persistence that was able to design a better glove than 40 years of, of NASA engineers. Yeah. I love it. No, this guy's name is Richard Browning. Like when we did this, you know, his video, when this finally comes out on YouTube, he's like literally, in like a workshop garage and like it wasn't the best interview because his 3d printer was like a little bit loud in the background because they were making a new part for something they were trying out like yeah he doesn't have a separate office do you know what I mean? like it's like it was it was a guy so his company's called gravity.co super inspirational you should check him out like well, i'm good for housing right now but you never know you yeah know. yeah but he uh, no this is the jetpack guy sorry Oh, the jetpack guy. The jetpack okay. guy. Definitely more in the market for a jetpack for sure. Okay. So he, yeah, he he's like, he's great. He just, I mean, like he was doing it then. Like he's like, oh yeah, actually this. And he goes and like pulls off the shelf and like pulls some stuff off to show me. You know what I mean? Anyways, it was, it was 
really encouraging for the future that that happens. You know, like he's a BP oil trader and he's like working this, doing this on the side and, and does it, you know, what, one other one, this, this group called free fly, they have a, so I'm kind of a camera nerd. I love my movie stuff. We talked about this, right. And I have always wanted a vision research phantom flex. It's like this $120,000 slow-mo camera. Okay. And I see in the news, these guys have come out with like a thousand frame per second camera for 10 grand. I was like, what? What is that about? So we get him on the show and he just, he lives in Seattle. He's got a small team and they're the guys who created Steadicams. Are you familiar with like, like in Hollywood or ad agencies, they used to have people like in a big vest with all these weights yeah. and stuff. He's the one, he's, they're the ones who created like this little handheld yeah. circle thing that you put the camera in and it gyro stabilizes it. Okay. Called the Movi. It's those guys. And he's just like, he has this like list that's like publicly available. It's a Google Doc available anyway. It's like, how to work with me. It's like, I don't like meetings before 10 a.m. Don't talk to me about this. It's like so non-corporate okay, right? And he's like, yeah, well, our whole thing around here is we're trying to have the highest technical talent per capita of any company in the world. So it's we're like really, really intense about our recruiting around here, both who we won't accept and how hard we pursue people. And he's like, it's super fun to work here because we're actually making stuff happen. He's like, we lure people away from way bigger paychecks and way more prestigious companies because we get stuff done and we make, we make stuff and it works. And they like, they punch way above their weight compared to like, if you went to NAB in Vegas or any of these big shows for like the news camera tech, like he, he's like holding his own with companies that are literally thousands of people like the 26 of them are, you know, and she's encouraging to me. It's inspiring. I love it. Well, it's another, it's on the same topic though, right? right? They're small, they're lean, they can move quickly and probably they can recruit people because those people have ideas that they're tired of just seeing like die in a slow death or get lost in the shuffle and they can see something that they, they came up with or they worked on like in the world. Yeah. So I'm interested yeah. after all these years doing this stuff, like I, I like design thinking like a hobby. It's like a intriguing thing to me, but you've done enough of it to get sick of it. Right. Right. Like, you know, any of us, once you do something long enough, it loses some of the sizzle. Right. What keeps you excited? What, what's like the new thing you're pursuing now? Right. Well, you know, it's never a dull day when you're running a business. All you have to look at is, you know, the year 2020. Right. <laughs> so, so, so something is always, always coming up, but you know, for me, it's really, I just, we talked about our background, you know, creating a space where there's a, a place for, for visuals and visual thinking and art in the business world is so exciting to me, you know, and kind of proselytizing and seeing that like grow into different industries and touch different people. And, you know, being in workshops where someone comes up to me and they're like you, like, they're like, I dropped out of art school and now I'm a senior executive. And I never thought that there would be a place for this skill, but now I can totally see how I can do this with my team and I can use this with my team. I feel like that's, a you know, that's a win for me every time, you know, so that, that really keeps me, that really keeps me excited. And yeah, and I have a great team that we're always sort of pushing what we're doing and, and cl- we have and clients too. They'll come to us sometimes with really strange ask or kind of impossible ask. So it's a new challenge know, so meeting them is yeah. Great. Okay. 
my next oh, subject. And we're gonna three D print. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next question, and I, I'm I'm expecting good things from you here. I'm a total book nerd, and I want to know some of your favorite books in this field, or um, or just in any this like. Field. Mm, okay, I'm gonna back that up. Any books from the field, or just your favorite visual books of all time? Okay. Okay. Um, favorite books and favorite visual. Well, you know, you mentioned Aston Cleon. I think, you know, Dan Rome's Back of the Napkin is a great book. I'm sitting behind like a library right here of uh, a visual thinking books, but there are, you know, Edward Tufte. Just a bit. I, I get recommended yeah. him and I haven't really dove in very much yet. Yeah, the thing I would recommend about Edward Tufte is his books are like almost art books. They're very, very beautiful. But the one of the best things that he, he, I think it was actually someone else that he just sort of shined a light on was look up Gettysburg Address in PowerPoint. Because Edward Tufte was a statistician that just got really grouchy about bad data and how um, data is visualized sometimes in like really horrible, opaque ways. It was really misleading. And through that kind of started his own sort of discipline on good visual information design. And he goes way back, like he has a pull-out chart of like Napoleon and his campaign into Russia during the Napoleonic Wars. And he was like, this is why France lost. Like, look at how bad this visual is, you know. Um, (laughs) I think you'll you'll enjoy it. No, I'm flipping through Uh, it right now. Yeah. (laughs) The Gettysburg Dress and PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the part where it's just like now and then four scores 84 years ago oh wow yep super inspirational here folks it really that is, an, is a great illustration by i have a business at image things you can see how sometimes the media totally destroys it and edward tufty makes it really fun yeah you can really nerd out he's got like four books but they're beautiful to look at even the bad data is beautiful to look at. You know, I, uh, I, I'm kind of a book collector. I get in trouble for my wife every once in a while. Like, do you really need all these books that keep coming in Amazon? <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you have Scott McCloud understanding comics in your no. library? Sorry to interrupt. That was like, I was like, oh. So Scott McCloud, you know, comic book artist, came out with this book. It's got to be decades old. One of the smartest books about visual thinking that is out there. And, you know, my stint as an art professor, I made the fourth chapter required reading for like all of my art classes because it's not just about comics. He starts with uh, hieroglyphics, you know, and why those are important. And he talks about iconography and keeping things simple. And the more abstract something is, the more people can project their own experiences as an illustrator or as someone who wants to communicate in visuals. So anyone who's kind of interested in dipping into this field, even just for themselves to to practice expressing in, in visuals, you know, I, I, at the time I was like, I'm not really a big comics person, but this book is, is actually so incredibly smart. And it's laid out like a comic, so. Okay, I just put it in my wish list. You know, one of the more fun interviews I had in the last couple of months I had Stu Heineke. He's a Wall Street Journal uh, cartoonist. And he's got this great book uh, called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And it's basically just goes through like non-traditional contact campaigns for outbound sales. Okay. You're, you got to get it for your sales director. Okay. So yeah. he just, he goes through like has a, like almost a 
1,000 batting average of getting through to people by using cartoons to get through to potential clients. Uh, You have a way better answer about his outbound campaign. (laughs) But uh, I'll put that one in my wish list. It's really fun to think it through because he's not a sales guy. He's not a corporate guy, but he doesn't need, you know, he's self-employed. He's got to make a living. And he wasn't about to like really go learn regular people's sales skills. And he just outthought the situation and used his skill set as like a drastically unfair advantage. And he has like really outsized results because of it and getting like Rolling Stone as a client and being able to get all these major publications as clients. It's, it was a fun approach. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay. Well, we've, we've covered a number of different things. We're kind of winding down here. Uh, one of my favorite questions is what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Oh, okay. So, you know, I'm really going back to like my art school time because that's how we started off this interview. But I think about this all the time. It's so useful that I like, okay, probably sounds pretty trite, but I had this mentor, like you had your your, your mentor in in art school who was a photography professor and I I did photography for a long time um, as an exhibiting artist. But she told me one time, if you are... You know, I went to her and I was like, I don't really understand this project. I don't really know what I'm doing. She's like, if you aren't scared a little bit by what you're making, then it's too safe and you're not pushing yourself far enough. So, you know, like, which I took to heart totally in my own art, but also, you know, it works in business. It works, you know, for anyone thinking about innovation, for anyone trying to push change, right? If what you're working on doesn't confuse or scare you a little bit, you're, you're just, you're not on your edge, right? Interesting. I, I taught this leadership class this week. I still do some work for our consulting firm that I own, right? And I team taught with this guy. He's like a 28-year special forces guy and had taken some time off to become an undercover agent for the DEA and has all these crazy stories, right? And he talks about, like, you can know if you're not a very good leader because your people won't be being creative and it's like really a gauge for them of like how good a leader they are is how creative their people are being. And he told this Steve Jobs story that supposedly Steve Jobs went into a room when he was taking back over Macintosh on his way back in and said something, Hey, show me what you guys have been doing. And they're going through this list. He's like, you're not, you're not doing what I wanted you to do. And they're like, yeah, we are Steve. Look, this is this, this is this. He's like, no, you're not. They're like, we are. Look, and he's like, you're not, you're not doing what I asked. And they're like, what do you want? And he's like, I don't know but I know you're not doing it because everything you're doing is working. And that means you guys are playing it too safe. And I want you guys pushing the limits. <laughs> and so that's how I know, I know you're not doing what I want. I want you guys pushing the limits. Is it interesting? I don't know. Who knows if the story really happened, but it's yeah. an interesting paradigm kind of question, right? Of like, everybody, everybody says, I want you to fail. You brought that up earlier, but yeah. they don't give any left or right limits. Like I love, I think it's, the Ritz Carlton where they say like you can solve any guest problem of up to $2,000 without approvals. And if it's over 2000, get approvals, you know, like they tell them just how much failure is acceptable around here or just how much risk is acceptable around here. And I think what a gift to, to people to like quantify or like, I don't know, show them that we actually mean it instead of just like, you know, it'd be great. What would sound great is if I said, I want you guys to fail more. I'd, I'd sound like a great leader if I said that. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I think what it is is when I was talking about the frame, right? This idea of design thinking and like the narrow frame and the wide frame is most people are walking around with innovation with a very narrow frame saying, what is successful? What becomes a product? What like, you know, what turns into the jetpack? But really they need to widen the frame and look at how many things did we fail at? How many ideas did we table, right? All of that is also part of the innovation process and indicating that they're doing, and, and that's something I think that, you know, look, I have a really small company, but we have our own, you know, we have our own aspirations to innovate, right? Sometimes it's forced on us. Sometimes we want to do it. And I have to remind people all the time, like what that really is, because people think, oh, it's, it's technology. It's not always technology. Or they're like, well, this didn't work. Or we crossed this off the list and they see that as failure. And I'm like, that's all part of it. You know, we should have all of these ideas that then later we decide are impractical or we test and they totally don't work. You know, if you widen the frame, you're like, we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. So yeah, that's that art school advice really, you know, kind of goes quite far for, <laughs> for me and, and probably like you're saying, maybe all the people who work at Apple. Uh, well, okay. I've got one more question then. There's a lot of people who have taken design thinking workshops or read the books or even like got a certification or something like this. When you think about the people in your world or related fields, you know, because I'm sure it's bigger than design thinking, that's that's probably not a, a fully encapsulating label, okay? But for that genre, when you think about the people who they know all the right steps and it seems like they're doing them, but they're not getting the results versus the people who have really mastered the craft, what do you see in common amongst these these visual thinkers and these, like the kind of people that you bring onto your team or these folks? The, the people who are really great at what you do, what do you see in common amongst them? Oh, that's a good question. I think some of it is about spontaneity and some of it is about intuition and, and some of it is about, you know, when to, when do you, you know, you know the rules and then you don't apply them. Right, right. So when do you go off the book, right? And not being afraid to do that and, and having judgment about that, I think. No, it's a what great about answer. you? Don't you see that? Yeah. So, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, well, what do you, well, you know, what do you think when you, you've interviewed, you know, 601, <laughs> uh, you know, leaders and inventors and, and creative people? Do you mm. see a pattern? Yeah, I see humility. I see a lot of listening. I see a relentlessness to solve a problem. I see a lack of willingness to accept good enough. I see a practicality to move ahead with the imperfect version on the way to the perfect version. I see more listening. I hear about more humility. I really can't tell you how many times those words have come up over these five years, but mostly from the highest achievers, not, not so much just the people who are good. That's my thought. That was great. Listen, this has been really fun. I appreciate you coming on the yeah. show. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I hope you're going to make that movie. I have a feeling you definitely will. <laughs> well, let's tell everybody again where the best places to find you online are. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about what we do at ImageThink, we have tons of resources, including some um, visual thinking books we really love to answer Jeff's question. You can find us at ImageThink.com. Dot com. If you want to connect with me, you have questions, want to reach out, you can connect with me on LinkedIn under Nora Herding. Great. Well, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Okay. Bye, everyone.